Welcome to Nostrum, the debate soap opera, where deontology is more than just an idea, it's a rebuttal by Jules O'Shaughnessy and the Nostrumite. Before we get going, we do like to remind you that just as Jules and the Nostromite began writing these episodes at the beginning, you should begin listening at the beginning. All of our previous episodes are available at www.jimmenick.com. I would like to begin this episode with a reading from St. Jules to the Foreign Sicians. I would point out, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I seem to be missing some letters around this particular epistle. It begins with a quote. Jules reports that Oscar Wilde once said that no man can live with a woman without falling in love with her. Oscar Wilde, Jules adds, never lived with the Nostrum Mate. Now, I know we haven't talked about the Nostromate in these epistles so far, and I do recall there was a period when the Nostromite had a live-in girlfriend. Anyhow, Jules does announce in this epistle that he has posted a few episodes, and then he reports on, again, something else we haven't been keeping track of, a trip to Disneyland or I'm sorry, a trip to Disney World, and I think that is worth reporting here. So I will read. So now an update. Like I said, we went to Disney World. One would expect that this would be a happy occasion, even given my feelings or lack thereof for the mite's new girlfriend, but one would be wrong. First of all, we all shared a single motel room together. Enough said there. Second, the motel was not just off the grounds, it was practically off the planet. We had nearly an hour's drive every morning, and given the philosophy that you should be at the gates before the joint opens, this makes for some pretty early alarm calls, and just try to get the nostromate out of the shower. Just try. Then it turns out that a certain person has a predilection against what she calls vomit rides, which means no Space Mountain, no Twilight Zone, no Star Tours, and, well, even no Carousel of Progress, for God's sakes, because somebody once got killed between the walls, and what if that happened again? Good grief, which doesn't leave much, let me tell you. And since the mite was too goo-goo-eyes to leave Kathy Lee outside with a Mickey doll for company while he and I actually went and had some fun... Well, the fun quotient was low indeed, and then we hit rock bottom on the third ride through It's a Small World. Yes, you heard correctly, that was third ride. The thing broke down. The boat was dead in the water for over half an hour, during which time the song continued in its endless saccharine loop, and all the little multicultural Stephen King dolls kept bouncing up and down and up and down, And a certain person, rather than screaming for mercy, actually claimed that this was the most fun she had ever had at Disney World. Enough is enough, even for the Nostromite. 
Thus were planted the seeds of discontent, and on our last night, when he and I were sort of feeling like a blowout at Pleasure Island, when it was suggested that one last ride on It's a Small World would be a perfect ending to the vacation, it all fell apart. The mite ripped off his Mickey Mouse ears, threw them to the ground, and stamped on them. All the while ranting about camaraderie and joie de vivre, and it isn't all that small a world no matter how you slice it, as is his wont, and the winner of the K.L. Gifford look-alike contest was appalled that the boy had it in him, and that was pretty much that. I mean, it had to play out for the rest of the night and the flight back home the next day, but by the time we landed at JFK, we were back to mail bonding again, and the Nostromate was history. After that, Jules just reports on their plans for future tournaments. Uh, They were going to go to Emory and decided against it, and then he talks about going to Harvard. So obviously, we're a little behind uh, the actual months when these episodes were originally published, and about 26 years uh, added on to that. Episode 40, Any Place I Hang My Hat is Holy. In the speech and debate world, there is one object that is valued higher than any other. It is not merely valued, it is revered. It inspires awe in the classic sense of the word, where awe includes terror at the inherent power of the awful object, where the object transcends good and evil by including both at their polar opposition, where the power of the object is infinite, all representing virtually deified. In the speech and debate world, one object above all others inspires, nay, demands this awe. One object comprising lowly materials and crafted through second-rate artisanship. One object replicated from school to school, from room to room. One object that the very thought of it, if that thought can even be the slightest bit askew, can bar you from a tournament for life, be you a student, a parent, a coach, or even an archbishop. One object, its name repeated at the beginning of every high school tournament as part of the litany of the debate godheads. One object, magical, supreme, omnipresent, one awful, awful object, one object, the teacher's desk. Business people have their offices, or at least cubicles. Scientists have their laboratories. Lawyers have their views of Wall Street from the 97th floor executive washrooms. Mongolians have their yurts. Truck drivers have the cabs of their semis. Trachina worms have raw pork. Even Snoopy has his doghouse. But high school teachers have nothing, no office, no sanctuary, no private space to call their own, or at least not usually. Perhaps there are some schools where everyone has an office or two and begloved servants deliver tea on the hour and everything is very la-di-da, but not in the real world where the middle class rules and the kids are just regular kids, smart and dumb in the statistically predictable combination, and the teachers are underpaid and underappreciated, and if you think being a teacher is bad enough, imagine being a teacher who also coaches a debate team and travels every weekend with those same kids whose families underpay and underappreciate you. Imagine on top of that that your school is about to drop debate from its budget, removing the one unique thing by which you identified yourself that had brought you self-esteem and the respect of your colleagues. 
Imagine that, and you can understand the situation of Tarnish Jatmal, as he sits behind the sacred object of his own teacher's desk at night and day high school, getting up the nerve to make a telephone call in aid of obtaining a new job, a new job he doesn't even want. Imagine that, and you can understand that Tarnish Jatmal is not a happy man. His desk, as desks go, is not cluttered. He still has his notes from the afternoon's team meeting and some blue books from an essay test he has to grade before the day is over. He has no family, so there are no photographs of wife or children. There is a small silver bowl, an old trophy from a tournament he'd rather forget, but he knows that he shouldn't, and he keeps this trinket so that he never will. And aside from assorted pens and pencils, that is it. It is not much. Not that many teachers' desks are much, but it isn't their collections that give them their sacred value. It is the fact that, for most teachers, it is all they have. Chutmal rolls back his chair and stands up. His teacher's desk, like most, has no phone, which means that he will have to call from the teacher's lounge, another insult against privacy. But no one else will be there, not at this time of day. The last team practice has ended, the last late bus has left, and aside from his own and the custodians, the last cars have left the parking lot. He walks down the empty hall, one shoe slapping the floor alternately with the other one shuffling across it. After sitting for a long time, the chronic pain in his back and hips is always a little worse, and walking is that much more difficult. At times like these, he wonders why he still bothers. He could retire. He could live pretty well. There would be the pension, the money saved after all these years. But he would miss it. School, a little. Debate, a lot. He misses debate already, and it hasn't even ended yet. The job at Vale of Ignorance may be his last chance to end his career as a happy man. It is that bad. If debate is a disease that students contract, fighting its symptoms for four years, at least they recover their health after graduation, or at worst, have another four-year bout at college, but still with a prognosis for a debate-free life thereafter. But a coach gets debate in the blood, so bad that it can never be removed. It replaces the red and white corpuscles with the affineg corpuscles and becomes an addiction worse than heroin. At least heroin has methadone and cold turkey. For debate coaches, there is no withdrawal, only judging. For hire. JV rounds. Chapmall eases himself down into the couch. The phone is beside him on a small table. He lifts it and punches in the number he has memorized and stops one number short of the hole and takes a deep breath and tries again. Veil of ignorance. It's a female voice. Monsignor Lloyd, please. Please hold. There is a click, and Jutmal is on hold, listening to recorded music. Carmina Barana. Hello? Monsignor Lloyd? Yes? This is Tarnish Jutmal from Night and Day High School? Uh, yes, Mr. Jutmal, what can I do for you? Jutmal swallows. It's about Seth Obamash, he says. <sighs> Monsignor's sigh is audible over the phone. Go on. I understand he's been suspended? Yes. I would like to apply for his job. Oh. The Monsignor's tone changes. I'm, I'm sorry. I've spent all day talking to parents in the press and who knows who all, and I've been very defensive about it. You, you understand. 
of course. All right, he pauses. Mr. Obamash's job. I'm a social studies teacher myself, so I could easily take over his curriculum. I'm not a Catholic. Most of our teachers are not Catholic, Mr. Jutmal, unless you include the priest, that is. He chuckles. I know, I just wanted to say that. And I've been a debate coach here for... I have to interrupt, Mr. Jutmal. No, please don't. I've been working here at night and day almost my entire life, and it's very difficult for me to even think about getting a new job, even one I'm qualified for. But we're probably eliminating our debate team this year, and Mr. Jutmal, please. Jutmal stops talking. He knows that he's been on the borderline of hysteria. Having af and neg corpuscles will do that to you. I know who you are, Mr. Jutmal, and I, I, and I know you're eminently qualified for Mr. Obamash's position, but I'm afraid replacing Mr. Obamash is a moot subject. You're not going to replace him, Jutmal asks. Actually, I already have replaced him. Already? Jutmal is startled. Already? He's only been suspended for one day. I had an excellent candidate for the position, and I took advantage of that candidate's availability. I'm, I'm sorry. You couldn't have decided that quickly, Jutmal is now pleading. I, I can't imagine anyone as qualified for the position as I am. I have the teaching experience and the debate experience. I grant you that, Mr. Jutmal, but I'm afraid that the offer has already been made. The position is filled. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yes, well, it's not your fault. These things happen. Yeah, these things happen. Now that I know you'd be interested in a position at Vail, I'll definitely keep you in mind if something else opens up. Yes, well, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling, Mr. Jutmal. Uh, thank you, Monsignor. The line goes dead, and Jutmal hangs up the phone. The position is filled? Already? How could that be? He stares blankly at the wall across the room at the bulletin board listing the various benefits of the teachers' union from group travel deals to cheap credit cards. What the board doesn't list is the benefit of outlasting your usefulness. With a heave, Jutmal lifts himself up from the couch. There are still those papers to grade, and he might as well do it before he goes home. With his painful walk, he heads back toward his classroom, to his teacher's desk, the sacred, awful object that signifies the extent of his existence. The teacher's desk. It is all he has left. May it rot in hell. Did someone really get the job at Vale of Ignorance? Does the Catholic Church recognize the holiness of random furniture? Does global warming explain why George W. Bush is melting? Didn't I see in the supermarket that Saddam Hussein was still alive? Hints and mints will only be marginally available in our next episode. Gangrene. Fans of Graham? <laughs>